and keep the theme of journeying with Jesus in your mind. This reading is from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 36. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from, re- from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one that he was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish are you, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which Jesus continued on as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told us what what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Thank you, Elizabeth. And from that reading has come um, a, a tradition which us in the Baptist Church, the, what's called the Free Church, sometimes anything but free, um, uh, will stand up and give the peace. Uh, and I'm going to ask you to do that now. I know it's, I don't have to come back again, so I can embarrass you all. <laughs> so do you see that? Just picture Jesus coming to the disciples and actually saying, can you imagine it? And for us to mean it, peace be with you. And if you want to reply, and also with you, let's do that. Right. I'm going to say to John Tomlinson, he's sitting at the front, well done, peace be with you. This, yeah, you can move around. Great, that was good, wasn't it? Half of you moved anyway. Uh, it shows you we, what a joy to belong to the free church. 
freedom to celebrate the great resurrection of Jesus Christ and somehow to externalize that in ways that are meaningful. The truth is that without the resurrection, the gospel would be meaningless. That's what the Apostle Paul actually said. If Christ is not risen, our faith is in vain. But it isn't for nothing. It is meaningful and purposeful. Not only would the gospel be meaningless, but forgiveness, that rich vein of freedom that's ours in Christ, forgiveness would be hopeless. Hopeless. Christ is risen, and our faith is full of hope. And then think about the future. The future life would be worthless. So without the resurrection, just think about that. Meaningless, hopeless, worthless. Jesus saying to his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. So, here we have it, the resurrection. That's the great theme. And if some of the children want to come in and out, that's okay with me. There's uh, projects there for, for them to look at, and some of the parents, I'm sure, will just keep an eye on them. That's great. Okay. Here we are then. Just take this into mind before uh, we've got the heading there. Uh, Christianity in its very essence is a resurrection religion, which is unique, unique and distinctive. Jesus doesn't do distance learning. Some of you will have done that. That's okay. Jesus doesn't do that. Uh, there is a very challenging verse just back a few chapters in Luke chapter 22 and verse 54. And it's during the trial, the trumped up trial. And Peter, one of his followers, is ill at ease. And there's a very interesting sentence. There's a salutary reminder that even the disciple close to Jesus, it says that Peter followed at a distance. Jesus doesn't do distance learning. And we are going to discover this through Luke 24 as a continuation of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Okay, so let's have a look and there are some uh, headings that will, will come your way in the course of, of, of this talk. We have said then, and there it is, Christianity is in its very essence is a resurrection religion. Move it from Christianity and it is dead. So let's walk together briefly with the living Lord. And what we're going to do, and it's not unusual, we will probably rub shoulders with very discouraged and disillusioned believers, the two classic people who are quite downcast. There they are. And Jesus comes alongside them. So we've got a few, uh, three headings that complement each other. Just follow these as they unfold. First of all, uh, walking and, re- and, and relating. 
walking and relating. It's very interesting today that in the tourist industry, walking holidays are the most popular. People have taken to walking. And may I say coastal walks particularly. Here we are in this landlocked part of the country. Mere Welshman suffering for the gospel in Oxford. Yes, and those beautiful coastal walks. Walking and talking. Walking and relating. What happens, first of all, you see in those verses, I won't refer to them in any detail, is that Jesus opened their minds. It is quite possible, you know, to be a disciple and have a closed mind. Maybe through being disillusioned, things shouldn't have happened, but they did. And you think, what's all that about? Am I no different to an unbeliever? So these two disciples, clearly, they knew quite a bit about the Bible. Jesus refers to it. And they'd heard that Christ had been raised again. And Jesus comes alongside them, but... And there's a lot of discussion about this. It's interesting what you, you would think in verse 16. They don't know who he is. They're ill at ease. They're troubled. They're discouraged. And they're so preoccupied with themselves and their feelings, whether it's their hurts or perhaps it's anger or it's unresolved conflict or just cumulative frustration Jesus is there, but they don't see him. I think we've all experienced that from time to time, maybe even today. And this could be a door of opportunity just to perhaps realize that he's much nearer to us than we could appreciate. Think about this. These hurts, these emotions are never buried inside us dead. We bury them alive. And they surface. And it's far better if they surface in the company of Jesus than anybody else. So may I ask you just for a moment to stop, stand back, take stock, and re-engage, start relating again with the living and risen Christ, walking and relating. Now, here's another pair. Uh, Listening and talking. Uh, I have to confess that I'm good at the latter and poor at the former. And some of you will agree with that, and I have no problem with it. It's a journey of life, and you have to keep working. But maybe some of you are just very good listeners and poor talkers. There is something in the very nature of talking that is very important. Let me give you an example. From, you will know Pride and Prejudice, if you haven't read the book, you'll have seen the film. When that great, handsome Mr. Darcy, Mr. Darcy, he is speaking to his heartthrob, Elizabeth and he says this let me quote I have not the talent which some possess of conversing easily with strangers believe me that happens in church every Sunday however Elizabeth responds 
and try to get the irony of her reply. Mr. Darcy, I do not play the piano as well as I should wish to. But I have always supposed that to be my fault because I would not take the trouble of practicing. Yes. Isn't that something? With the brevity of words, this is very challenging and very pertinent. And it's no good as saying, well, this is what I am. We know that. I don't have to be like this all the time. So, if you're a a good listener, start being a good talker. If you're a good talker, start being a good listener. And this is what you get here in verses 19 to 31. Yes, Jesus opened their minds. And now you notice it says that he opened their eyes. I have a new pair of spectacles that I have now. And um, if I was to leave those off... I would be incoherent and I would start waffling and I've never done that in my life before. (laughs) When we were coming uh, here this morning, not very far away, I was driving, coming on to the bypass, Hannah said to me, are your glasses clean? (laughs) So I said, I'm not very sure. So she had looked, she said, they're not so I had to drive a bit slower. Mind you, my driving's improved immensely now that I've had a new pair of glasses and my reading even better. But it's not only that you can see, but uh, is it cloudy? Is it misty? Is it got grimy? What do you see? Jesus opened their eyes. What do you see during this Resurrection period. To have an open mind, opened eyes, opened understanding. Am I willing to listen? Am I prepared to talk? Relationships can break down because we don't. And whether that's in the home or in church or at work or among our neighbors. What what a transformation you have in verse 30 and verse 35. It's in this breaking of bread. This sort of horizontal hospitality. I hope our homes are not a a no-go area. That we're willing to share a coffee and a biscuit and we don't have to be uh, Egon Rone to provide meals. It's where we engage and we talk and we share with open minds and a different perspective. And then finally, look at the third experience here of these disciples. They start to reflect and begin to rejoice. Starting to reflect and they begin to rejoice. It's, it's worth just uh, looking at this. Verse 32. Let's just let me read this to you. Um, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they do a U-turn. Now, everything is the same, but actually everything is different. It's the road. It's Jesus 
And we have a good indication that they would have known him before. But now it's different. Open minds. Open hearts. Open eyes. A new perspective altogether. There are, if you were to think about the the Camino, which I illustrated a moment ago, um, communities of what they call the Sacred Heart Catholic uh, Community. Well, surely as evangelicals, we ought to be the community of the burning heart. A community of the burning heart. And it can have a massive transformation. It was the burning heart that turned John Wesley into being the evangelist that he was. And it is the burning heart. And you see what they say? Like as if... This is the sort of conversation. The one says to them, you know, I don't know about you, but... Something happened there. I can't quite put it into words, but you know, it's inside. My heart was enlivened, awakened, warmed. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us and opened the scriptures? It is good to share our experiences. We're all different, and they come to us in different shapes and sizes. But surely we do belong to the community of the burning heart. And so what you have then is this reflected praise. The Psalms being opened up. The prophets coming alive. The gospel being real. And Jesus is at the center of it. Which we're going to sing uh, in just a moment. So, let's try to conclude. I did say this service would last an hour. And I think we'll just about do it. Let's try to get the sequence for a moment, okay? It starts in verse 25. Now, Jesus says, how foolish you are. They weren't fools, but they were behaving in a foolish way. How foolish you are, and slow of heart to believe. How many of us try to persuade people to change their minds? Let's try to engage their hearts. Just about ten days ago, I was at the funeral of Commander Everett, who used to sit here. It was a, a, an amazing funeral. It's humbling to be there at St. Mary's to the end of the road. And I, at the reception in church house, I got talking to somebody who had started going to church. A little bit older than me. And I said, I was pleased to hear that you were going to church. I've known him a long time. Yes, I am going, but I don't believe, he said. I said, you don't? Why don't you believe? Oh, because I'm a scientist. And I said, do you know, you'll pardon me saying this, but there are scientists, I suspect, far more intelligent than you who believe. <laughs> that was true. I mean, he was very intelligent, but there are more. And you say, is that it? Is this something more than just being persuaded by facts? Somebody more clever will come along and persuade you differently. It facts are important, of course. But you see what Jesus is doing. Slow of heart to believe. Not slow of mind. We can be that. But let's start. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then I said this to him. Convince a man against his will 
is of the same opinion still. And our conversation ended. I hope that might be a seed of the Spirit in his heart. He was a good man, thoughtful and sincere. But surely the Christian faith is much more than the accumulation of facts. It is that, but infinitely much, much more. And so you see the sequence. Our hearts first, then opening our minds, verse 45, then opening our eyes, having an enlarged vision, a different perspective. And then, yes, opening our mouths. We're all different. I remember Charles and I going to hear Lord Coggan in the University Church in Oxford to commemorate, I think it was a hundred years of the Bible Reading Fellowship. Lord Coggan was speaking. And uh, he was lamenting the demise of uh, curates coming into the church who weren't reading books because it was Bible reading. And he said this, Some Anglicans are like Arctic rivers, frozen at the mouth. And I felt, yeah, not only Anglicans, Baptists too, and the Free Church. Yes, but you see the sequence. It's not just simply opening our mouths. It's opening our hearts, our minds, our eyes. And then we have something of the community of the burning heart.